hello. If you're a new listener, uh, if you're clicking on this episode because you saw Aaron Zhang's name in the title, uh, and you just want to skip to that, you want to get that out of the way for whatever reason, you're like, I don't want to listen to these boring guys, I want to listen to Aaron, that interview starts at about the 40-minute mark. Uh, if you're new to the show, uh, we start off talking a little bit off-topic, and then we uh, go into Pokemon news, uh, and then we do our main segment. Our main segment, obviously, this episode is Aaron. Want to hear the Pokemon news this episode? We're going to do everything regarding the Players' Cup, both TCG, VGC, and Pokemon Tournament. We have some Pokemon Go news and some Pokemon Masters news as well, like always. But again, if you're this first time listening, hope you enjoy. Uh, and uh, if you're a normal listener, hope you enjoy as well. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 409th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. Uh, I'm your host, SBJ. With me, Greg. Hello, hello. It's a rainy day here in Minnesota, which allowed me to catch no shiny Carvana. Niantic looking out for you. I know. It didn't help that I was... So we went grocery shopping, and I forgot about it, and then I came home and you were streaming, so I fired it up. And I did an hour worth of my incense, and then I promptly fell asleep, and then I woke back up at 4.30 with half an hour left and did another incense. I'm like, oh, oops, I was sleeping. But my main goal today happened. I caught three Scraggy, so I count that as a win for me. Yeah, that sounds pretty all right. And you got a nap. That sounds sweet. And I got a, I got a nap with two dogs. Will is also here. Thank you for allowing me to go second, because now I'm about to take up... Yeah, probably I knew it. several hours of your time. I just want to uh, preface that this is a Pokemon podcast. <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's let's get the the small things out of the way first. Number All one, the small things. I didn't do the Carvania event because I Carvania. <laughs> I used the Cinderace. Portuguese pronunciation. Cinderace e Carvania. I got all set up to do it, and then I just got distracted by a butterfly and couldn't remember to get back to doing it. So that didn't happen. Uh, number two, I am now proven bad at video games because part A didn't realize that I could use wishing pieces to complete my Pokedex until, I don't know when I texted you guys yesterday morning, this Wait, morning. Pause. What did you think wishing pieces were for? <laughs> I just didn't put it together that, you just like I thought like when I would read in Bulbapedia and it was like oh you can get a Jagmoo from a max raid and I was thought I have to wait for that to be mm. lit up in the game for me to go to to find that po not for that like oh hey I can activate this den and that dude that I'm looking for might just be in there yeah. <sighs> so that's that's the realization I've come to six months later can I give you a pro tip. Sure. So if you have two dens close to each other and you don't want to do the den you drop the wishing piece into, you just go to the other den, drop the wishing piece, and then uh, decide if you want to do that. And if that's not good enough, go to the back to the other den, drop the wishing piece. So you can go back and forth between two. But they stay lit if you so don't So you can catch. only have one wishing piece active at a time. 
So by dropping a second wishing piece, you deactivate the first one. Wow. But then I've wasted a wishing. Well, it would have been wasted anyways because I wasn't going to go after that Dedenne. Yeah, that's probably true. Also, wait, there's no Dedenne in this game. Uh, I'm sorry, Togedemaru. (laughs) But that's not even the important thing. Here's the important thing. Bart B of I'm not good at video games and the beginning of I have cracked the code. I have been weeping for weeks now because K.K. Slider has not come to visit my island. And I was like, what more? I have all of these flowers. I've got shrubs. I've got walls. I chopped down trees. I planted. What is it going to take to get K.K. Slider to come to my island? Do you know the island? Do you know this? No, not about your island. Not about Greg's. No, 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 no. You literally, and for anybody else who is in the (laughs) KK Lament, here's a clue for you. Anybody who's in the KK Lament, hmm, somebody's favorite song, let me open the door for you. You need to go to Tom Nook and say, what should I do next? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to, like, check in with him. If you do not do that, he does not tell you, you need to set up a campground. But here, now we're going to go one more layer deep, folks. I hope you're ready. Strap in, because I'm about to blow your minds. (laughs) Animal Crossing is not some nice game for children to play. It is the North Korea simulator. This man, this Tom Nook is a dictator who has tricked you into his socialist paradise where we're all judged by the value of the work that we put in and we're all contributing to society except strangely enough, it seems that only one of me is contributing to society and what do I have to do? I have to build this island to his standards and regulations and you know, I I have like a rating, oh how well are you doing? Oh you've got enough trees, wait, no you don't have enough trees, too many trees, people are getting lost in the forest, oh all of this senseless work just to keep my hands occupied and he's got his secret police aka the Happy Home Academy peering in my window and walking in my unlocked door to judge how I'm living every morning unavoidably I have to listen to island announcements about this is what we are going to be doing on the island today thank you Isabel right hand to the dictator but this is where it was all revealed to me was when the whole thing is a scheme because if there's anything that a North Korean dictator loves it is cult of personality celebrity handshakes and this whole island that I have been building for this person is just to attract K.K. Slider to come to visit and play K.K. Lament for Mr. Tom Nook. Don't do it. Don't get tricked, people. That's all. I'm sorry, what? And so the Pokemon of the week is (laughs) Chatot. There's a raccoon. Is Zigzagoon the raccoon Pokemon? Uh, right? Yeah. And some, look, now somebody's going to write in and, and say how Tom Nook's not a raccoon and has he's a Tanuki and how dare you call him. Uh, this is a Pokemon podcast. Uh, if you uh, Tom saw, Nook is a trash panda. If you uh, saw the uh, title of the episode, we have an interview with Aaron Zhang. I probably already said this before the theme song started. Uh, so if you wanted to jump to that, you probably are not hearing this, uh, but that'll come after the break. Uh, Aaron talks about his thoughts on the Sword and Shield competitive, and that actually leads us right into news. 
somehow the stars aligned, and there's a lot of competitive stuff to talk about this week. Uh, so Aaron being on this episode was actually perfect. Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield 2020 International Challenge May Online Competition. Yes, that is the entire tournament name. Uh, somebody in marketing really dropped the ball on that. Uh, but that is the tournament. Put your skills to the test to earn in-game items by taking on players all over the world using the official battle format. This competition will run Thursday, May 21st from 5 p.m. PDT until Sunday, 5 p.m. PDT. The, rule, the same rules and regulations as the current championship series by completing at least one battle. In the 2020 International Challenge, you will earn a cool piece of in-game clothing. A casualty ultra ball guy. Yes, indeed. You can check out your trainer in a shirt depicting everyone's favorite distributor of Pokeballs. Additionally, the top <laughs> Masters Division players in each rating zone can qualify for the Players' Cup. You can find out more details here. Don't go anywhere, listener. We will tell you said details. Um, you can sign up now until Wednesday, May 13th at 5 p.m. PDT. And then you can sign up until Thursday, May 21st, 4.59 p.m. PDT. So one minute before the tournament starts. Once the tournament starts, we stress this every time on this program. And every time when I'm streaming on Twitch, somebody comes into my chat at least once an hour and goes, oh, there's a tournament this weekend? How do I sign up? It's too late, listener, slash viewer, yeah. slash Twitch chatter. You missed it. You dropped the ball. You can sign up right now. If you're listening to this, turn off your Animal Crossing. Don't worry. Rossetti will not yell at you. Switch to Sword and Shield. Go into the verse menu. Go to Battle Stadium. Click Online Competitions. Search for Online Competitions and sign up. You do not need your team ready until you do your first match. So sign up, do your one match, get your Ultra Ball shirt, and uh, you're good to go. I mean, they've already got me, right? I already have the plain Ball Guy shirt. I have the good Ball Guy shirt. So I'm going to have to get the Ultra Ball Guy shirt. So what's so which, which ball is next? Is it Master Ball Guy next, do we assume? Hmm, probably. Wouldn't it be because, nice if it was Luxury Ball Guy, though? Oh, I want Luxury Ball Guy so badly. Mm, I feel like they would save Master Ball to, like, August when it's, like, the championships. So then Premier Ball Guy, yeah. Luxury oh, Ball yeah. Guy, Safari Ball Guy, Dive Ball Guy. Now nah, they put Safari Ball Guy and it'll be, like, false advertising with, like, the dugongs or something. <laughs> How dare you! There's no safari zone in Sword and Shield. <sighs> there sure isn't. <laughs> there sure isn't. <laughs> All right, this is this is the big news. This was actually I don't think anyone really saw this coming. Pokemon is off. Both these were off Pokemon.com. Pokemon Players Cup Online Tournament, the Pokemon TCG. The Pokémon Tournament DX and Pokémon Sword and Shield all announced for online tournaments. I think the only people happy about this are probably the Pokémon Tournament people because they have zero <laughs> expectations and the fact that their game is still alive is good enough for them. 
Somebody remembered me. How nice. Okay, so the TCG. Okay, okay, okay let's put that one on the back burner. <laughs> All right. We're going to get that one last because I got questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's not talk about that one right now. <laughs> the Pokemon Tournament DX competitors will be able to register directly for the first stage of the Pokemon Players Cup at a future date. Yeah, uh, I think I think I mean I think all Pokemon players are happy that their game is still getting love. I don't like what happens and is this uh, this is going to be like a uh, a Super Smash Brothers things where like people are still playing like a oh, yeah. twenty year old game. Boss stage no items. Is there, is there even two hundred and fifty six people still playing Pokemon tournament <laughs> at a high <laughs> level? Apparently, to register for this. Uh, I mean, there's so like there are what eight million people in America. Like if one percent of them are playing Pokemon tournament, that that's, easily gets oh, us the two fifty-six. Oh, those one percenters. That's yeah. a high. You're one out of a hundred people still playing Pokemon tournament. I don't think so. I think that's real high. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, if it was point one percent, that still easily get us the two hundred fifty-six out of the millions of people. I did. They even sell millions of copies. <laughs> I don't. I. Guess? I think Pokemon sold like two million, maybe, on the Switch. I want to say I that could be wrong. I'd have to look that up. You know, I'm looking it up. Okay, you look it up. I'll talk about the Pokemon Players Cup. It will have two stages in July. Eligible players will compete in a double elimination bracket broken down by rating zones to determine the top player in each rating zone. Then those top finishes will face off in a final stage of the. Pokemon Players Cup in August, where winners will become crowned the Pokemon Players Cup uh, champion and earn a travel award to a future international championship event. Hot sales numbers. Got them. Pokemon Tournament DX, which sold 1.13 million units in North America and Europe and 250,000 units in Japan, which brings the total sales to 1.3 million yeah so if one percent lifetime sales of the wii u version of the game in their entirety uh, what's the math on that like a like, hundred thousand like a hundred and thirty thousand yeah yeah, ma- yeah maybe that's decent we're gonna get 256 people out of that the pokemon tcg and VGC, competitor, vgc competitors will need to qualify through their performance in an upcoming event the Pokemon TCG competitors will qualify for the Pokemon Players Cup through ranking on June's leaderboard standard format tournament rep in the Pokemon trading card online. Pokemon Sword and Shield will qualify through the International Challenge May Online competition, which runs May 21st through the 24th, and will use the 2020 Video Game Championship format. In order to be eligible, you need to link your Nintendo account to your Trainer Club account before signing up. If you did that in past tournaments, you'll be fine. Each the Pokemon TCG, Pokemon Tournament, and Pokemon Sword and Shield competitors will kick off a special invitational event. The winners will qualify for the final stage of the Pokemon Cup to make sure uh, so make sure to follow along. Masters Divisions competitions will use the Sword and Shield video game, and they need to finish along among the top eligible trainers in their rating zone in the May International Challenge to qualify for the Pokemon Players Cup. This weekend, if you're listening to this podcast on time and not in the in 2022, uh, you will have to 
play the international challenge and come in and, and to qualify for this players cup you have to come in top 256 for north america top 256 if you're in europe top 128 if you're in oceana and top 256 if you're in latin america uh, is japan considered oceana at this point yeah i think so i think so yeah okay good luck practice hard you can prove what it takes only Masters Division is opted to participate in all of the play Pokemon uh, events for the online tournament. So that means you would have to be 6, 15 or older to participate in these. I think the Sword and Shield stuff is pretty straightforward. They've already figured out in the past to link to award points to people. This is maybe why they've been pretty strict on banning people who are purposely disconnecting. And I have no worries that they're going to be watching people disconnecting through this tournament if they have not already fixed it uh, or remedied remedied it enough up to this point. Uh, The only maybe complaint is like this is kind of super short notice. Here's the tournament. Here's the event. You got to qualify. You got like less than two weeks. Yeah, kind of hard to build a team and compete and everything in that amount of time, but school's out. Yep. Uh, But we didn't think the Pokemon company was going to do something. But shout out to them. Like, it's actually really yeah. cool that they're still trying to make this work, um, especially when the majority of people have nothing but good things to say about the current Sword and Shield competitive meta. Okay. Can I ask my, can I ask my TCT question? Let's now? talk about oh, the Pokemon boy, oh trading boy. card game. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have a deck of my physical cards that I was going to bring to the thing, the the actual live tournament. Okay. Now it's online. Uh-huh. How do I get my deck that I've paid money for into the computer game? Uh, you don't. Yeah, that's oh. not how it works. <laughs> you have to... Uh... Oh, boy. Let's talk about the history of the Pokemon trading card game online. It's made by Direwolf Digital, and it was released in web browsers on March 24th, 2011, and then moved over to Windows as an application on May 15th, 2012. 2012. Eight years old. (laughs) And in nowhere in those eight years have they ever done this before. I am not saying Direwolf Digital is bad. I think they are maybe not given enough money slash resources from the Pokemon company to do what they want to do. I mm, don't know. (laughs) Those battle animations are real sweet. Sure. (laughs) When (laughs) Unbroken Bonds came out, which was not that long ago, there was a card in that set called Fighting Dojo. Right out of the gate, it didn't work. So instead... What Direwolf Digital did, probably because the Pokemon company told them to, is they banned the card. Outside of... <laughs> it's so... It, we've talked about this before, but like, if you're only practicing in the Pokemon trading card game online to go to tournaments, and a card that is brand new, that is vital to the deck that you're probably building, is banned, you can no longer practice with it. And that card is still tournament legal, but unless you have real life people, you have no way to practice. And it took them 
I want to say four months to fix Fighting Dojo. And this happens. I mean, honestly, <laughs> there are other card simulators that you can use. You don't have to use PTCGO. It's just that's the official one. Okay, I've looked up Dire Wolf games. Mm -hmm. I think this is a Pokemon problem. I did think it is too. I 100% think it is. They are. So they uh, have made the tabletop version of Clank. They uh, are making the online version of Root from Leader Games. Uh, full disclosure, I'm friends with Patrick. Uh, who, uh, that's Mr. Leader. Uh, thank you. Yes, Patrick Leader. So, like, I just don't. Like, I think they could do a lot for the TCG if Pokemon gave them money. So I'm I'm very curious if when this started, before they announced this, they were like, okay, we've let you just have this and we've not given you anything for a long time, but we need you to make it a lot better, like, in a month. Because <laughs> they have a lot of games. Like, they have a lot of of new games that they are they are putting out and there's a bunch of people that are put like putting their like Renegade Game Studio which is not a small board game company is working with them to me it feels like they have a contract with Direwolf and because the Pokemon TCG doesn't actually make the Pokemon company money and here's the other problem with it that it only exists outside of Japan. Because remember, there's no client for Japanese players. And we know from past conversations that we've had with people who have worked directly with the Pokemon company that even though the Pokemon headquarters is in Seattle or Redmond or where in that area, they still have to get everything approved by Japan. It always just seems like we want to make the TCGO better. Let's ask Japan. Oh, it's not a priority because it doesn't make money. It's not Pokemon Go. It's not Pokemon Masters. It's not Sword and Shield. It's not the 56% revenue that is their plushes that they ship every single year. <laughs> Which is like two things. Do you, do you put something into the game to make PTCGO money? Or do you just like... Do you just bite the bullet and keep it free but just make it significantly better so more people play your game? Or just do like just... I don't do both. Just make it better. Like make it a better game. I don't they this this product has been around for 8 years. It's on Windows. It's a Windows app. It's a Mac OS app. It's on it's on uh iPad OS and it's on uh Android tablets, but of course with anything Android you can sideload it. There is no iOS app. There is no uh Switch app. They have never they they do have in-game tournaments, but they're super simple. They're like uh you three opponents whatever that is like quarter semi finals and you get tickets there's a lot of things that they need to answer slash get right so in the press release specifically it says um the tcg competitors will qualify for the pokemon trainer clubs through their ranking also just a heads up your ranking has always been hidden you're the elo in in tcgo is is hidden um on the june leaderboards standard format in the trading card game, uh, and it doesn't really say much else. So, like, currently in the trading card game, um, they have, like, a ticket system, and you can earn tickets, and then you cash in those tickets to participate in, like, those little tournaments I just mentioned. But what if you don't have tickets? What if you're, like, 
what if you are a player that has only played locally and you have like a community that you play TCGO with, but uh, now you want to compete because this is the only way to compete. How, how are you supposed to get cards uh, without like trading other people? Well, you buy packs and then you get the codes and then you, you put the codes in that very painful, laborious process of entering codes. Then like hope you get the cards you need or like, I mean, the, the, the realistic thing to do is like you redeem a bunch of codes. Then instead of opening the packs, you trade the packs because the packs are worth more closed than they are open. So like right now, I just opened up PTCGO. So if you want to do uh, a standard match, so they allow each each one of these uh, tournaments have eight people. Obviously, I'm assuming this new tournament will be bigger. It costs eight tickets to enter um, the match. Your reward is if you come in first place, you get you get six pack booster packs. You come and you also get 400 coins, which is a different currency they use. You can use coins to buy booster packs. So 200 coins is a booster pack. You come in second place, you get two booster packs, 100 coins. And then if you uh, come in third place, you get 100 coins and two booster packs. Sorry, second place gets four booster packs. And then if you come fifth through eight, you get like 50 coins. So one fourth of a booster pack. I have 76 tickets, which I don't know what the math is. That's like 10 tournaments. There's not a, also a reliable way to get tournament, like tickets. So if I burn through all these tickets, that's 10 tournaments that I could participate in now. And then like, how am I getting more tickets? Are they switching the lot? Do I have to like play ladder, earn tickets, then take those tickets to participate in the tournament to get points? Or is the tournament just opened? There's like a lot here that there's a lot of unanswered questions compared to like sword and shield and compared to poke tournament that's that's happening there's no way to give ptcgo money like you have coins you earn coins by playing matches you can cash in those coins for packs you can go to target or walmart and you can buy a pack of cards for four dollars and 29 cents and you can open it and get a digital pack which will have different cards and you could maybe <laughs> trade those cards in like the trading oh. area, but if you've ever been on any online trading area, it is nothing but scams. Or you can go to eBay. This is another problem. So, like, it's against PTCGO. It's against the terms of service that no one ever reads. We talk about this all the time with, like, Pokemon Go, how you're only supposed to have one, one account and stuff. But it is technically against the terms of service in PTCGO to pay physical money for cards. So I can't go to Will and say, Will, I saw you open up on your stream two full art Reshiram Charizards. Uh, I don't have any booster packs or anything to pl to play, and we're not friends in this situation. I will give, I will PayPal you $10 to send those cards to me. That is against TOS. Well, I ain't giving you, the, I ain't giving up Reshizard for $10, dude. You better come back <laughs> with a better yeah. price. Yeah, 10 bucks is getting you nothing. But what's not against TOS is you can technically go to eBay or or like a website like Cool Stuff Inc. or Troll and Toad, and you can say, I would like 100 code cards for $80. So I'm paying 80 cents a code card. I would like 100 code cards, and then they mail it to you or they email it to you, and then you enter them into the game. And technically, that's not against TOS because you're not buying an item that already exists in the game because you have not entered that item into the game. But once you get the items, then you enter it into the game, and then that's okay. But there's... Like, there's literally not a way, and maybe because it ruins the marketplace, for me to just say, like, hey, PTCGO, can I just buy 100 packs for real money so I can open these packs and build decks? 
there's not. You have to buy f- either code cards or you have to buy. And the only people winning from the code cards are like the sellers, right? It's like when GameStop sells used games. It's not like Nintendo sees a copy when GameStop sells a copy, uh, a heart, uh, old used copy of Heart Gold Soul Silver. So like somebody at a card shop is opening a hundred packs. They're selling the cards individually and then they're selling the code cards. So they're like kind of double dipping, which is like fine. I don't have a problem with that. But like, I want to give you my, like, let me give you my money to make PTCGO better because I want to play more PTCGO and it is a bad application. <laughs> it's just not great. Yeah. It's, it's all about this like bizarrely contrived secondary market that they don't even want to acknowledge exists and yet they continue to fuel. Right. Like they, I, like in Pokemon Masters, they have it where you can, you can't spend a certain amount of money. Is that not right, Greg? Like, like you can only spend whatever $200, only $200 a month or something in Pokemon Masters because it yells at you that you spend too much money. Yeah. There's a cap. If they're, if they're worried about that, I don't, like, do, like, they have already, like, pri, like, PTCGO is older significantly older than pokemon go and significantly older than masters and they have tons of children that is way easier in my opinion to spend money in the app store and buy coins for pokemon go or buy gems for pokemon masters and i guess they would have to build a back end to accept money and then they would have to handle refunds if you know little timmy grabbed mom's credit card punched it in bought a thousand coins or whatever I heard Squarespace could set me up with a payment portal. <laughs> so maybe they that's can. what they're worried about. But are they still stuck in this mindset of we're, we're scared to take micro, microtransactions? You're already doing it in two extremely popular games. <laughs> Even if PTCGO was slightly more expensive than eBay. So I, it, it, and uh, that always depends, right? Like sometimes a code is 80 cents. Sometimes a, sometimes a code is like $1.25. But that's still way cheaper than paying four bucks and then getting really bad pulls and yeah and being like i'm not i don't i don't i'm sick of these physical cards i just want to play in ptcgo because that's because i can get a game at any point i don't know even if it was like two bucks to get a digital booster pack in ptcgo i would almost just do that just for the pure sake of convenience it's really kind of annoying to like order 100 codes off ebay and then just copy and paste 100 codes in like it's easy boring and it makes me feel like an accountant, I'll pay for convenience. And I would rather give my money to PTCGO so PTCGO becomes better than to give it to some dude on eBay who, no offense to him, he delivers the codes pretty quickly, but uh, I got no relationship with that guy like I do with, with an actual Pokemon product. I am very curious of how this is going to work. And hopefully this makes PTCGO better. But man, if it takes them four months to fix a card... I don't know what they're going to do in the next 14 days because <laughs> they said June. <laughs> it's it's just going to be a very PTCGO oriented tournament. And, you know, you're just going to have to shift your meta for what that can accommodate. And because it's like an official tournament, does that is, is does that in, introduce a huge new loophole of cheating or something like? Oh, yeah, especially for all the Android people that have like. Hack the, I mean, this was like a huge pro- problem in Vanguard Zero, right? The, that game's been out for, what, a month and a half? And people have already... I mean, let me not disparage Android users, but obviously you can only do it on Android. But people have already hacked it to get auto-wins. 
Yeah. Just like once you, there's, I mean, that actually, there's not even anything to gain from playing Vanguard Zero. So now it's going to be even worse because when there is something to gain, then people are going to have more incentive to hack the game more. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would love to be, I would love to like sit down with somebody who, who said, okay, we're about to do a tournament in PTCGO and like look at that person and say, what walk me through person who is decided to do this tournament and for for the record i'm it's very cool that they're doing a tournament but to to sit down and say okay how do you expect a player to get enough cards and to build a deck for this tournament what does that look like to you like what is your what is the the customer path are you recommending like they need to go to target and buy a bunch of packs are you recommending that like they should get an ETB, open the packs, not or claim the digital packs, not open the packs, and trade them on the marketplace? What do you want your customer to do at this point? Because it's not like you always were doing tournaments. It's not like this is brand new. This is this is a tournament to qualify for the Players Cup, which you know, for more or less, maybe not as important as an actual championship, but because of how weird this year is, it is you know the substitute for an actual championship. Like what is what is the workflow you expect? So I would say in their defense, the one thing that kind of probably if I was imagining myself being in that decision making room is they basically said, you know, we want to hold a tournament. What do we have available? Well, that's what we have. Right. Rather than having no tournament at all, let's have a tournament with what we have. And we know it's not the best, but you know it's better than nothing so let's go forward with that it's just the amount of barriers with starting off in ptcgo is is it's very high well i don't think they're expecting anybody to come from zero for this Uh, unless (laughs) you dump a bunch of money into ebay codes or just go to target and clean house and hope you get good pulls well i mean the real secret is to become a successful twitch streamer and then people just give you codes and trade you Mm, cards because they're like i just want to be part of that person's success IQ. So the TCG tournament, it starts <laughs> in June or July? The TCG tournament starts in June, and you have to get enough rank by doing the little tournaments that cost tickets, which we don't know how to get tickets yet. I mean, I got one ticket for logging into PTCGO four days in a row. I got one ticket. Most of these tournaments cost eight tickets to enter. So you have to use tickets... This is as far as we know, unless they change it or unless I misunderstood. You have to use tickets to participate in these tournaments. You win the tournaments. They give you a higher ELO. They pick the top 256 ELO from respective regions. And then they move on to the final thing, which would be in August or whatever, or July. Or They said double elimination bracket. So what is a double elimination? You lose twice and you're out? Yeah. It's not single elimination. And they're... And we're just learning about this on the 14th of May. Yes, and they said that this is going to start in June. And they're releasing an expansion in June. And uh, there's probably an overlap of people who are excited for Sword and Shield DLC and people who liked the Pokemon trading card game. I, I don't expect the entire. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't expect I have the, so many questions. I don't expect the entire tournament to last the entire month of June. 
It's just extraordinary times, so you have to, you know, think outside the bun. Yeah, none of this is like, I'm very happy they're doing all of this. It's just very fast. Yeah, it it seems like a very short turnaround time for everybody involved. I'm just, I feel like when June starts, there's going to be like, here's our new way of getting cards so you can rebuild your decks or something like something. Because they have to know that that's a problem. Or are they just, or are they just going to be like, nope, everybody's starting over from scratch. Make what you, make what you can get. Anything that is, uh, it's like slightly before team up is like legal. <laughs> and then, I mean, the, 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 the nice, here's the, the nicest thing about PTCGO is as long as the card isn't physically or digitally broken in the game. Uh, again, this is, this is against terms of service. But if you were to go to eBay, you could buy a digital Jirachi for $15, and then somebody will add your PTCGO name and send it to you. I'm not advising anyone to do that, but that's how much Jirachi is worth. About digital Jirachi is worth about 15 bucks, And so you need like three, two to three Jirachis in a deck, so that's $45 just to be at a competitive level as, as everyone else. Talk about barriers to competitive. But they are releasing... I believe near the end of this month, they're releasing two battle boxes. Uh, and these battle boxes, one of them ha- comes with Jirachi, physical, but the code card in the battle box will match all the cards in the deck. And I believe one is a Zekrom Pikachu tag team deck, and one is a Reshiram Charizard Pikachu deck. Or sorry, Rush- <laughs> just Reshiram Charizard, no Pikachu. Uh, Reshiram Charizard and then Zekrom Pikachu. And they both have complete decks. So I think each one is like $25. And they come with all the good cards. All those good cards are tournament legal. And the code card should give you the same deck in the game. And so that actually helps with some of the issue of like, oh, I need Jirachis in order to play. But that still doesn't... Maybe maybe that's actually the go-to. Maybe they're like, you know what? You know, if you've never played the Pokemon trading card game and you need some cards, we suggest our customers buy this battle box, which will probably sell out, I'm sure, and we would suggest them for them to buy some... Dig- we suggest for them to buy the battle box at Target, and we suggest for them to buy an ETB or some booster packs, and then they have the framework of a deck, two really good decks, and we would suggest them to trade for the other cards they're missing, just like in real life. Maybe that's actually the the thought process. But if you're not keeping tabs on this, if you're not listening to this podcast or going to TCG websites, you probably would have no clue that this battle box is coming. And I think it comes out on the 23rd. I maybe maybe that maybe that's the plan. I mean, it doesn't answer the actual how the tournament's going to run, but uh, it's a whole new world we live in. Oh, there you go. Too long didn't read. I really want PTCGO to be better, and I hope maybe this is the first step towards I, that future. I towards hope realizing that dream that 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 this pivot is the start of the Pokemon Company really giving Direwolf Digital the benefit of the doubt to make PTCGO better. Yes. Okay. When we come back. It'll be the interview with Aaron. He's going to give you his thoughts on the current meta of the Sword and Shield TCG, or VGC, how to get into it, his thoughts on it compared to past metas, um, and all that stuff. So we'll be right back. 
We are back from our break and we are here with Aaron Zhang, aka Cybertron VGC. How are you, Aaron? I'm good. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for being on. This has been like a like a five year endeavor to get you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Long overdue, man. Yeah, well, I'm excited that you're here. If uh somebody doesn't know who you are, real quick, or however long you want, but what do you do? Uh, who who are you? My name is Aaron Zhang, but I go by Cybertron, and I am a competitive VGC player, commentator, and content creator. So I've been playing VGC since 2008, actually, and throughout my years of competing, I've won five regional championships, two national championships, and third at the world championships in 2013. And in more recent years, I've transitioned over to becoming a commentator for the Pokemon company. So if you've ever watched the international championship or world championship streams, I've commentated many of those events, including the world finals in uh, 2016, 2018, and 2019. Uh, and I also have a YouTube channel that passed 100,000 subscribers with Sword and Shield coming out. So I make content there every day trying to educate people and uh, help them improve in the game. You went through the whole college thing, I know, because that was like a lot of up and down with your YouTube of like schools mm -hmm. now, YouTube on hold. But have you transitioned to casting slash playing competitive full time or do you have like a nine to five job that you keep secret? Yeah, I'm actually uh, finishing up my last semester of school. So I did five years of undergrad to get two different bachelor degrees from two different schools. And I'm in literally the last week of my program. Uh, my fi final exam is on Wednesday and then I'm officially graduating in I think a week and a half. So uh, after that, I'm actually going to be working full time and I'm not going to be doing content stuff, but I'll actually be working in gaming and esports, um, working for an investment group called Axiomatic. And they actually are most known for owning Team Liquid, which is one of the premier esports teams. So uh, at there, we'll be doing a lot of investing in different companies like Team Liquid, as well as strategy work for the companies that we're invested in. So I'm really excited about that, mainly because it's just a mix of, you know, taking my passion for gaming, but also uh, taking everything that I've learned from school, my previous, you know, internship and job experiences and really combining it all. So I still be, will be doing Pokemon stuff, but I always like doing, you know, like uh, commentating and uh, playing more as like a side thing rather than as a full-time career. Sure, that makes sense. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> content creating is uh very competitive yeah absolutely being of competitive vgc and sword and shield it was a pretty big deal i think no one would argue that the vg season was going incredibly well until the pandemic happened but mm -hmm. how do you feel about the vgc specifically in sword and shield it's been amazing i think we saw so many great things uh that came out of sword and shield i think the main thing is that the quality of life changes have just made it so much easier for players to get into the game. So, for example, rental teams are super accessible. So now it's very easy for anyone to just uh, try out and play with any team that they might be interested in. Uh, what's published online, 
In addition, it's a lot easier to get competitive Pokemon in-game now through the combination of like nature or mints, I should say. Um, it's a lot easier to breed as well. So uh, just everything makes it more accessible. And I think that was kind of the biggest barrier to entries for people that were interested in getting into the game. And uh, yeah, I think overall, this format seemed to be very fun for a lot of people as well, me, myself included. It's the most fun I've had playing BGC in a couple of years. And I think because there were so many you know, Pokemon that are very viable and strong, so many different strategies that could work. Uh, this year was really shaping up to be one of the best years of VGC. So obviously it's a shame that the rest of the season is canceled, but you know that was really the only correct move to make. And we're still seeing pl people play a ton of VGC online. There's been a lot of grassroots efforts to you know keep the scene alive. So I think it's a very, very, we have a very, very bright future. And I feel like Sword and Shield introduced so much that uh, made it have so much potential. Uh, one of the main reasons we brought you on was to kind of dig a little bit deeper in VGC and whatnot because you have a really good uh, oversight of it. But before we get to that, how do you feel about mm -hmm. Sword and Shield as a whole? Um, we talked about sales numbers last week, and it you know it sold 17 million copies, and that's on top of you know there was a lot of bad press when it would uh, was a officially announced. So yeah. That didn't seem to, you know, the whole boycott Sword and Shield didn't really seem to pan out with 17 million copies being sold. But how do you feel about it personally? Yeah, that's a great question. I've always been a competitive player first, but, you know, I still enjoy playing the games just like casually just to run through them. And I, I enjoyed Sword and Shield a lot more, I would say, than something like uh, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, which was probably my least favorite game of all time, mainly because of how similar it was to Sun and Moon. But Sun and Moon, I also like, I uh, felt like I didn't, like it super much i wasn't i was more indifferent about it i guess but sword and shield i actually really enjoyed uh for example raids i had a ton of fun doing with a lot of my friends i thought it was a great way to uh, interact with the community and like one of my favorite thing about raids is that like it's great for competitive players but i have a lot of like friends who play pokemon casually they're not really interested in competitive but uh they were still interested in doing raids just to get some cool pokemon or you know some items so uh raids i thought were really cool i like the in-game experience a lot I thought the wild area was super exciting as well. So I definitely had fun playing the in-game. And I think uh, being able to customize your character actually was one thing that I missed a lot. So to see that return, I think, was also super awesome. And at the end of the day, uh, the experience was super fun. And I even didn't, you know, didn't mind doing stuff like grinding uh, to get competitive Pokemon or whatnot, whereas it might have been a little bit more frustrating in previous games. So uh, for me, I, I enjoyed it mainly because of like raids and just the interaction I was able to have with friends who maybe played more casually. You bringing up raids, that brings up one of the biggest mechanics of Sword and Shield, which makes it different than uh, competitive, you know, in Sun and Moon or X and Y or whatnot, but Dynamax Pokemon, Gigantamax Pokemon, mm. uh, that is a, you know, in, in the competitive sense, the Pokemon company loves doubles. Uh, they have never really supported singles. And right. so you see, you know, what you said earlier, like, you see, you know, non-official stuff like Smogon, you know, they went the extreme to ban Dynamax. And, you know, before that was a huge thing I heard before people even got their hands on the game were, you know, big Pokemon are dumb and we want Megas back. We want Z moves back. This is a loaded question, but let's uh, what, how do you feel about Dynamax as a mechanic uh, competitively? Yeah, since I only play VGC exclusively, um, my experience with it is only really in VGC, and I am a pretty big fan of it in VGC. I think it is very dynamic. It adds a lot to the game, and I, I do think there are some things that could have been like fine-tuned about it. For example, I think it would have been a, a lot more interesting of a mechanic, or uh, I guess not interesting, but if you like decrease the power creep by making an item like Life Orb not 
viable on Dynamax mods. Weakness policy is part of the reason why Dynamax is so threatening uh, in VGC. There's so many setups with weakness policy. But in general, I do think it is a good mechanic, and I've enjoyed playing with it a lot. And I, I think one thing that makes it fun, too, is that like um, seeing really good players and how they use Dynamax is super interesting. Um, if you look at like the top tournament replays from a lot of the tournaments we had before all this stuff started happening, uh, like you would often see six different Pokemon Dynamax throughout the course of a best of three. You know, someone just chooses a different Pokemon to Dynamax in every game. So uh, I like that it makes like every Pokemon somewhat viable. Um, I don't think it's the perfect mechanic, but I personally have enjoyed playing with it. That being said, I do think that it feels like it was kind of made for doubles, whereas uh, I can see why players weren't very happy about it in single battles. <laughs> yeah, sure. Do you think... Do you think Pokemon would just be a better game if they didn't have a gimmick like Dynamax or Megas or Z moves? Or do you think that That's like a great question. this is needed? Yeah. And I, I think, you know, part of the thing that makes them able to market their games with each new generation is the introduction of something crazy, right? So uh, having Dynamax as a advertising tool, I think, is one you know smart idea. So it's interesting because, you know, having thought about this before, it's like, uh, for competitive players, if you pulled them, um, a lot of them probably wouldn't mind a metagame, for example, without Dynamax. But from the company's perspective, I think it adds a lot of value to have a crazy mechanic like this with each generation. And it just adds a lot of value when you, say, market your game. Uh, I think, like, for me personally, I'd be fine playing competitively with or without Dynamax. But from the company's perspective, I totally get why they introduce one of these mechanics uh, every generation. And I've honestly enjoyed Dynamax more than Z-Moves and Megas. So I have no oppositions. <laughs> yeah i think now maybe if people weren't paying attention closely like you know the pokemon company has been consistently consistent about removing features and always introducing new features um mm -hmm. do you think that like well i guess you said you like this better than z moves or mega pokemon but was that specifically like a reason you didn't like sun and moon was because of the z move format uh and mega pokemon like a thing that really drew you into like the x and y format yeah, I think for me, as a competitive player, I always basically play whatever is put in front of me. So I don't think I was strongly opposed to Z-Moves or Megas. But for example, I didn't like Megas as much as Dynamax because with Megas, there were only a couple that were like super viable. And like they were just way above the pool for the rest of Pokemon. It felt like uh, there wasn't great balance. So for example, like Salamence, Charizard, Kangaskhan, Gengar, uh, Mawile, they were just kind of on another tier. And then you had so many ones that were like kind of cool, but just never really saw any use. And for Z-Moves, I think I mean, Z-Moves are just scary because, like, you could have something that's super strong, for example, like Kartana and Landorus with all these, like, super strong legendary Pokemon with the Z-Move. They could just, like, you know, get a really, really strong one-hit KO. Um, and I think playing around those options were scary, but part of what I, why I like Dynamax is because it makes things bulkier. And so I kind of like playing out formats that are a little bit more slow and drawn out. And Dynamax works both ways. Uh, you can, you know, very easily snowball games with it as well. Um, but I like that you can turn any Pokemon and make it significantly bulkier, basically, just by Dynamaxing it. So I, I didn't, like, I guess, per se, dislike Megas or Zemus, but I just enjoy playing with Dynamax, I think, a little bit more. Um, but uh, those mechanics didn't really, I think, affect, like, whether I liked the game or the in-game experience. It was more just about, like, competitive battles. Would you want, like, a black-and-white format back where everyone's running uh, different gems? Well, that was the big mechanic, right, in black-and-white was gems, mm -hmm. right? yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't be opposed, honestly. Like, I, I think if I could pick an ideal format, um, I haven't played any non-Dynamax uh, games, like, in this generation, but 
I feel like this generation has a lot of potential because there's so many cool Pokemon in the Pokedex. So a lot of top players actually recently have been saying, yeah, if we didn't have Dynamax in this format, it would have been like the perfect format. And I, at the end of the day, you know, your, people's opinions on formats are super, super subjective. But um, yeah, I, I think I wouldn't mind seeing Gens come back. Uh, at the end of the day, I'll just play what I'm given. But Dynamax, I think <laughs> I've enjoyed the most next to the uh, very, very old Gen 5 formats with Gems in 2012 and 13. So to bring up like the current format, a lot of that is specifically because there's not 900 some Pokemon. There's only 400. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, this was like a huge national decks thing, right? I'm sorry. I have to bring up national decks because it's sword <laughs> shield. Uh, so like Masuda stood on stage during the E3 announcement and they said, you know, two of the reasons why we're cutting Pokemon one is for animations and People can argue whether the Tail Whip animation is the same or the Hyper Beam animation is new, which I think it is. But the other reason they said, the more important reason, at least why for you, is they said we're cutting Pokemon to make competitive better. Uh, And a lot of people thought that was a lie uh, because, you know, they saw, you know, they didn't play the game yet. But do you think that cutting Pokemon made competitive better? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because it's like... And whoever makes the rule set has the power theoretically to just like create an arbitrary ban list. But I will say that all the Pokemon that we ended up with, I think created for a really, really healthy format and metagame. And um, I think that I am a little bit scared of what the future metagames are going to entail of, especially because we know, for example, like, uh, you know, the legendaries are going to come back into the game. So uh, for me, this year was just so, so good. And I you know, this kind of speaks to like accessibility of the game. But I think one reason that people have always been kind of hesitant to watch VGC or play VGC is because a lot of the public's perception is that everyone just uses the same like legendary Pokemon and these are like cheap <laughs> strategies. And uh, for anyone that actually you know follows VGC, you'll know that even if you have two people using like the exact same six team, like uh, six Pokemon, it can be matches can be super, super dynamic. And there's so much skill involved, even when people are using the same Pokemon. But uh, generally, like, the public, uh, especially if you look at like the comments on like a world finals, everyone's like, oh my god, I can't believe they're using the same legendary Pokemon. It's so cheap. Like, you know, this isn't the way to play. And part of what made this year, I think, uh, more interesting was that, you know, there were no, no legendary Pokemon around. And so you might see some of the same Pokemon, but uh, in general, I feel like a lot of people who don't follow competitive have this like negative perception towards legendary Pokemon. Um, so I think one thing that I liked about this format was that there were none of those. And honestly, I would be down for VGC to like never include legendary Pokemon again, just because that one small change, I feel like really affects uh, how the general public who might not follow competitive uh, really perceive the scene. But um, yeah, I mean, going back to your question, I think competitive was very, very good this year. And yeah, I don't know how intentional it was for them. And like when they were picking Pokemon to make the Pokedex, but uh, everything that did end up making it through, I think, resulted in a healthy format, and that was super fun to watch and play in. There was this hive mindset of like, oh, see, they don't care about competitive because G-Max Dreadnought sets up Stealth Rock, but in reality, if you actually watch competitive, no one really is using Stealth Rock. (laughs) Mm -hmm, And then you have these players that are like, well, if they cared about competitive, why are they allowing Ultra Necrozma, or why are they allowing uh, Mega Rayquaza? Right. So do you think that's like part of that perspective is like they have let these powerful Pokemon be in the game before? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people's perceptions often get warped because they either look at like a, 2015 is the best example of this, where uh, like seven of the top eight teams from the world championships had like Cresselia, Heatran, Amoongus, Landers, and Kangaskhan. It was all Japanese players. And everyone 
always like points to the graphic of the top eight teams from that specific tournament. They're like, yeah, this is a great example of how like undiverse competitive Pokemon is. Like, this is why it's like not a good competitive game. Which like that always bothers me a lot for two reasons. One, uh, if you look at the teams just beyond the top eight that year, there were so many diverse Pokemon and teams used. It just so happened that the Japanese players made like a good meta game call of that tournament. And second of all. Those, like, players played immensely well with those teams, and, like, even the mirror matches were incredibly, incredibly skillful. So, I think, uh, and then, and then you know, they also, players sometimes look at, like, 2016, they're like, oh my god, like, like you said, Mega Rayquaza, Primal Kyogre, Primal Groudon, like, what the heck is going on? At the end of the day, competitive players are going to play whatever is given to them, so, you know, we don't get some, like, much say on what we want the competitive format to be. We're, we're basically told, hey, play this, and as competitive players, we're always just going to play what we're asked to play. Uh, in the VGC, you know, rule set. Yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 personally very scared about like things like Landorus being allowed back in, mainly because I feel like we were really on the right direction and this format was super promising. But if they do allow these legendaries back in, I'm gonna play right because I'm a competitive player and a content creator. I'm gonna do whatever. I'm gonna follow the rule set. I have to play because you know, like if you want to protest and you don't play, well then you're not going to tournaments. You're not really doing anything. Right. Another complaint. Uh, part of the the Dexit stuff, and I think this this kind of gets uh, forgotten about. But they this was a huge complaint when the game came out. But they cut over seventy different moves, mm-hmm. and uh, specifically, I think out of the seventy, I can really only remember like what hidden power, return, pursuit. But I mean, do you think this was the right move? Do you think cutting you know seventy plus moves for competitive for the series was the right decision? Uh, in the end, the move cuts don't seem to feel super relevant in VGC. I mean, like Return, Toxic, and Hidden Power were used previously, but um, I don't think anyone was like really complaining in VGC that those moves no longer exist. It might be different in singles play, honestly, because I know like Toxic is like a very, very big deal in singles, as is something like Hidden Power. Hidden Power was used a fair amount in VGC as well, but yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm pretty indifferent about those moves being cut. I don't feel like it's really affected VGC, and I think like once again players would have played regardless of whether they were cut or not cut. But in the end, it doesn't feel like it made any big substantial difference. And uh, I don't know if they ended up cutting it, whether they specifically said it was for competitive reasons or just because of like coding mechanics. But at the end of the day, uh, I guess I haven't given it much thought because I don't feel like I really miss them, nor do I feel like they were needed. So yeah, no, no upsides or downsides, at least relevant to VGC, I would say regarding those. Togekiss seems to be the pers- the the Pokemon that kind of ri- rose to the top in uh, in Sword and Shield here. Mm-hmm. That is Togekiss like the new Landorus in the sense of everyone's going to point at something and say, "Look at everyone just has Togekiss." I guess to an extent, I don't know. I mean, they function a little bit differently, and I think like if people that don't understand the game competitively wanted to just point to like the most used Pokemon, then yeah, like Togekiss and Dragapult are like the easy targets. Uh, I I do think Dragapult. Could have been toned down a little bit. It's just so fast and weakness policy makes it super powerful as well as life orb. And the fact that like both of those are so viable makes it scary. I mean, the re- main reason like uh, Pokemon like Togekiss and Dragapult rose to the very top is because they're super good both in Dynamax and outside of Dynamax. But specifically in Dynamax, like you have these really bulky Pokemon that are also able to d- just distribute so much damage. Um, and uh, both of those, for example, get access to a flying type attack, so they can use max airstream to boost the speed. And one thing that's really important in VGC is speed control. And, um, you know, uh, Dynamax max moves effects also affect your partner, so you can use max airstream with either Togekiss or Dragapult to boost both that Pokemon speed and the partner Pokemon speed. So that's kind of the reason. And, like, one of the other reasons why these Pokemon are so good is because you can run so many different sets. For example, with Togekiss, you see really bulky sets, but you also see really offensive sets. Uh, I've seen, like, 
five or six different items being run on it with different abilities as well. Uh, scope Lens Super Luck is common, but you also have like the Beery Berry, uh, Lumberry, so many different items that are just viable on it, similar uh, with Dragapult as well. I guess your question was comparing it to Landorus, and I don't know how I would say. I, I feel like it's better to have something like Togekiss or Dragapult be common than Landorus, mainly because, once again, people's perception of just like legendary Pokemon, like there's like a negative stigma I feel like associated with them. What do you think the worst move in the VGC is, and why is it Ally Switch? <laughs> yeah, actually, if there's one move I could remove um, from this generation, it would probably be Ally Switch, mainly because a lot about VGC is, you know, making informed predictions and plays based on what your opponent has, but they, for some reason, just gave Ally Switch to so many different Pokemon, so, like, <laughs> it is very, it's nearly impossible to predict, like, an Ally Switch from something that doesn't run it typically. For example, Rotom and Togekiss don't really run Ally Switch, but you could tech it in, and it just, like, feels super frustrating to go up against something that is very hard to you know, see coming. Um, and I, I think, like, the move itself is also, like, you can just spam it as well. Like, I would have liked it if you can't use it consecutively. I, I'm just, I'm not sure why they decided to give so many Pokemon access to it, but I, I do think Alice, which is, like, just not very healthy because it induces, like, a lot of, like, random guessing that I feel like shouldn't be included in the game. And maybe that's, like, different based off how your philosophy of the competitive game is, but Alice, which was one, I think that's probably the biggest one. To me, also, like, Rock Slide being able to flinch is a big deal, because it's already such a good move, and, like, they still have the same flinch chance, although it's not nearly as prevalent as, say, like, Landra spamming Rock Slide from back in the day. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you're you saying Alice, which is an accurate one, for sure. <laughs> uh, do you think that, like, overall there's too much randomness in VGC? I feel like a lot of times the... Maybe, maybe that's intentional. I, like, like I've, I've, played a, I've played a lot of the Pokemon trading card game competitively, and mm-hmm. a lot of the competitive in the TCG really came down to I just needed one more turn. Yeah. And uh, when I've I've dabbled in VGC or when I've watched VZ, VGC, it's always like, oh, if they just got that coin flip right, they would have won. Do you do you think that's like too much? Not enough? Maybe it is designed to be like, oh well, I, heads or tails, I would have won that. I think if you don't know anything about VGC, it can seem like a lot of coin flipping and RNG. And it certainly is to an extent, but I always compare VGC to poker where any top player can lose on a given day. But uh, conversely, someone starting out has the potential to beat like the world's best. And for example, like I follow chess and chess is a game where I'm just never going to be able to beat like the world's best player ever. But with a game like Pokemon or VGC, the best player will win the majority of the time, but the fact is that you give the opportunity for someone who might not be as good as them to beat them. And I think that's exciting. You know, that's part of the draw. If, uh, you know, I'm talking to a bunch of people that just started playing too. They're like, you know, I went to my first tournament and I won some games and that was exciting to me. And uh, in a lot of other competitive games where it's purely skill-based, like you wouldn't see that really happen ever. But I, I do think, like, if I could tone down some RNG in VGC, I would. For example, I'd get rid of, like, the, like, freeze, I think, is just a terrible mechanic that shouldn't be in the game. I'd get rid of, like, flinching on moves like Rock Slide, um, and I would also maybe change uh, how something like Sleep works, for example, and reduce, like, some of the variance. But I do think that a little bit of variance is not bad for a competitive game, and I think, like, uh, there's a reason why every time you look at a tournament, like, whoever wins these major tournaments are excellent, excellent players. Um, and you need to get a little bit lucky to do well in a tournament, but you also need to play phenomenally well. So uh, I think RNG is often a lot less relevant than people think. And 
one thing that prohibits people from getting better is blaming their losses purely on luck when in reality because there's so many decisions to be made in competitive vgc there's always almost always i should say uh, something better you could have uh, done whether it was a better move to reduce the variance later on in the game for example like sometimes people will point to losing because they missed an attack well uh you know top players often evaluate and be like okay was there anything i could have done so that i didn't even need to use an inaccurate attack whether it was in the actual game or in the team building process um so there's so many factors including team building and playing that uh, it's very hard to just break down a loss solely to bad luck and sometimes you will have those losses right Sometimes you do get really, really unlucky and there truly is nothing better that you could have done. But I think uh, one thing that makes people improve rapidly is when they actually sit down and evaluate their losses that they think is due to bad luck. And uh, I honestly have to say like 90 plus percent of the time there was something better that could have been done either in the team building process or the battling process to have mitigated that. So um, I think Pokemon could probably still see some less RNG, like freeze, I think should just be reduced. Um, I would probably change like the sleep mechanics just a little bit. But in general, I think some variance is healthy for a competitive game because then you don't get the same games over and over again. So if somebody's like listening and they're like inspired by what you just said, like how do how do they even get into competitive at this point besides like the general like watch a YouTube video and uh, rent a team like like mm -hmm. you are right in there, there. There needs to be practice. There needs to be evaluation. But like how how does one even do that? Yeah, I think the first thing is just knowing the top resources, knowing where to go. So, um, you know, there are a lot of great resources out there like Trainer Tower and Victory Road. Uh, these websites have a lot of articles and team reports that can help people get started out and rental teams, as we've talked about. Uh, there's also a lot of great content creators online, both on YouTube and Twitch. So watching top players is always, you know, just a great way to improve. But on a more deep level, what I recommend to people who want to get into VGC is Team building is really, really important, but it's an art in VGC and it's hard. And I think a lot of players often get discouraged because, you know, they lose as a consequence of not knowing like fundamental team mechanics. And so they're at a disadvantage because of their team. So I always recommend people once they're starting out to first, like try to understand the fundamentals by playing with the team that is proven to be successful. So whether that's a rental team from like a you know world champion or just something that seems very consistent, hard trick room is actually something I often recommend because uh, it's relatively easy to use and it helps you show the fundamentals of the game. But yeah, if you're like getting into it, play games, try out a team that is, uh, you know, good, that's fundamentally strong. And also don't play just for the sake of like playing games. Like I think it's really important to evaluate each of your wins and losses. So every time I lose a game, I'll ask myself, why did I lose that game? Um, and what could I have done better to have won the game? And often there are two answers to that. It's either making better plays. Perhaps I made a play that was too risky. Perhaps I made a play that uh, was just like a, a prediction but it was a prediction that wasn't going to work out most of the time like evaluate that it, sometimes it's your gameplay sometimes it's that your team limited you and then so you have to ask yourself okay what could i've improved about my team but um you know a lot of people when they play any competitive game like to just keep grinding games but uh it's more important to learn from the games so i i would say focus more on like especially losses look at the losses look at why you lost and try to answer that if you can answer it that's great because then you can uh, approach you know towards improving but if you're just playing games for the sake of playing games, often you're not going to improve very rapidly, in my opinion. Yeah, and on like a personal experience, I would say I lost because that was because I don't have a counter to Lapras. <laughs> mm -hmm. Is is that a thing in VGC? Like, do you just see one Pokemon and you go, I can't beat that one Pokemon, but if they don't have it, I'm good. Yeah, I think that goes into the team building art. If your team is struggling against something, like every team should theoretically have a decent answer against anything. So uh especially the top meta pokemon right like part of what 
makes a really good team is like it gives you at least neutral to positive matchups against anything you could go up against. Now, of course, there's so many Pokemon in the game that you maybe can't cover for everything, but if you can cover for, say, like the most, like the 30 most common Pokemon and have some answer to it, then at least you'll be able, you'll most likely have answers to everything below that as well. And sometimes maybe you do run into like, what one thing that makes teams, uh, the best teams really good is that top players come up with like really crazy sets that are creative that no one saw coming. Uh, I think 2014, Pachirisu is often pointed to because that was something that very few people had on their radar. And that's something where maybe in, uh, in you know, throughout the course of that tournament, people looked and they're like, oh God, I just don't have an answer against Pachirisu. But that's why, you know, the best players are the way they are. They're able to find these crazy Pokemon that work and make them, you know, to the strongest of their ability. But I think if you're staring down a common Pokemon and you're like, oh, my team just doesn't have a way to beat that, then you need to go back to the team building process and reevaluate what you can swap for it. So for example, if Lapras is something that people are struggling with, you want to look at, okay, what is ways to hit it for super effective damage? Electric types are easy to point to. And then you want to evaluate, okay, what electric types fit with my team? Uh, Rotom Wash, for example, is often used because it resists both Lapras's main uh, types. You can use like Nasty Plot, which is very common as well. So um, that's why team building is an art. The best teams will have good answers against everything and uh, basically give you options so that you're not just struggling against something the entirety of the game. With mints, bottle caps, all these things that make VGCs uh, so much easier over the years, uh, do you think there's something else that we're missing uh, that would even make the barrier to entry even lower at this point? That's a really good question. I think... um, Having something like, a, you know, we have uh, bottle caps for 31 IVs, but having something like could make your IV like zero would be really nice because Trick Room, you know, teams often like using that. And all, the most optimal team in theory has a zero attack IV if you're not a, a physical attacker to reduce like confusion damage. So I think something like that would be good. Uh, I know one thing that they actually are doing now is like raids where the most common Pokemon are actually like the competitive uh, Pokemon that you can get. So I think like more of that would be really good, especially like earlier on when people are just getting into it, because now we're like, what, six months into Sword and Shield. So having that earlier on is great. But I think like raids are excellent. Uh, Being able to give away high IV Pokemon immediately is great. Uh, I think mints were much needed. I guess maybe another capsule where you could get like hidden abilities. Uh, Those like I think hidden abilities and zero IVs are like the last two things I feel like they could cover. But I do think the gap has really, really been uh, covered. Uh, the gap, at least from like last generation to this generation, and now it's like super, super accessible. So um, any other changes would be a lot smaller than, say, going into this generation. We talked about some moves that you, uh, that you didn't really care for, like sleep mechanics, flinch, ally switch, that kind of stuff. Is there like held items that you feel like need to be pulled from the game or that are just too powerful? I mean, you brought up weakness policy a lot as a as a very powerful item. Yeah, I think... It's less about the item and I guess more about the interaction with Dynamax. I think like Dynamax was a really cool mechanic. And I mean, I'm fine playing in a metagame where like Life Orb and Weakness Policy exists on Dynamax mods, but I think like it would be cool, for example, if like Weakness Policy didn't work on a Dynamax mod. Maybe like it could work before you Dynamax, which forces you to attack it uh, and for that Pokemon to take potentially more damage because you know you can only use it before Dynamax. I think like making Life Orb just not work on Dynamax Pokemon. Um, would be an interesting interaction. I don't think the items inherently are broken. It's just about how they interact with like Dynamax specifically. There isn't anything that makes me be like, wow, like this is just so br- busted that it's not <laughs> even fun to play the game. Um, you know, that's like the main thing. At least it feels like everything at le- like has some answer. But I think the biggest ones, like, biggest offenders people point to it, with Dynamax in VGC are definitely like Life Orb, Weakness Policy, and then like Scope Lens Togekiss can be frustrating to play against because you get to critical hit 50% of the time with Super Luck. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's like not 
all of those are at least like decently chapped. It's not like the worst case, but if I had it my way, I would probably like reduce the interactions they have with Dynamax specifically in an ideal world. In an in an ideal world, is there a uh, Pokemon or a few Pokemon that you would wish that would just somehow be better and competitive, whether it's being held back by ability or stats or move pool? That's a good question. Um, I'd have to give that some thought. I think like Glaceon's one of my all time favorite Pokemon, um, so I'd have to root for that. Uh, mainly because I mean it's it's pretty strong overall, and it's actually used somewhat in the format. It's not like completely under uh, completely not used, but. I'd like to see it be a little bit more viable. I mean, Empoleon and Scizor aren't in the game, but those are two of my all-time favorite Pokemon that I've ever <laughs> for. I think Flygon is like a, you know, hometown favorite for so many people. That, and they like always kind of fall short relative to the other dragon types. I wish they could like... Because Flygon is such a cool Pokemon. has such yeah. an interesting yeah. name as well. Everyone thought it was going to have a Mega Evolution as well, and then they baited us and didn't give us a Mega Evolution for it. So uh, those are just some that jumped to mind. All right, Aaron. Well, I don't want to eat up too much of your time. Uh, I'm assuming your favorite Pokemon is still Rotom Wash. <laughs> yeah, Rotom Wash competitively, but Piplup is, I think, my all-time just if I had to pick one Pokemon, just because it's so cute and I like penguins. All right, awesome. And now you you have your own YouTube videos about teaching people to get in competitive. You're streaming on Twitch. Um, mm-hmm. So are those good resources for somebody who has never you know touched competitive but has always been interested to go to to dabble in? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I think like Trainer Tower, Victory Road, uh, Nimbasa City Post are just some websites that you could go to get started. You want to definitely check out the rental team sections as well. Uh, Victory Road has, uh, uh, as well as Trainer Tower, actually, they both have a lot of grassroots events as well. So just playing in those are good. Um, and yeah, you can find me at Cybertron Productions on YouTube, at Cybertron VGC on Twitch. Um, I try to be as educational and interactive as possible. And my goal is really to just help the scene continue to grow, try to be a you know easy way to get into the game. But there's a lot of other really great content creators. You know, Wolfie Glick is kind of the face of the community and he uh, has a lot of entertaining videos, but is also just one of, if not the best player ever really from the history of the game. So uh, he is definitely a great resources as well. Uh, there are a ton of other great content creators um, that you can find online. If anyone watching this is curious, feel free to like DM me on Twitter. I can uh, happily refer you to a list of them there's just so many out there nowadays but uh yeah in general it's a lot easier to get into vgc now than it was years ago and there are a lot of people working hard to try to make it more accessible to people so uh if you're interested in trying it out don't be afraid to uh and uh, one piece of advice i always give to people starting out is that like losing is actually the best thing uh, that can happen people get frustrated in any competitive game when they lose but the thing is that you only get to grow as a player when you are able to evaluate your losses and uh, once you can see what you're doing wrong, then you'll be able to improve. Thank you. Thank you for being on, Aaron. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you for having me. Why is there not a Pokemon Snap 2? Pokemon Snap 2. Why is there not a Pokemon Snap 2? 2. 2. I pre-ordered it right now. Right now. Right now. Okay, some easy news here real quick. Uh, first bit is off PokemonGoLive.com. This is actually, I mean, I'm, we could talk about, we could turn this into a Pokemon Go only podcast, but uh, 
Uh, but just some simple Pokemon Go news. Just a heads up. You probably saw this if you play Pokemon Go, but there will be a community day at home again featuring C-Dot. This is probably right. This is probably not a pivot. This is probably not something C-Dot was probably always planned for community day. Yeah. I think so, yeah. So still no Snivy, Tepig, or Oshawott. It will be Sunday, May 24th, 11 to 5, so six hours again at home. If you're lucky, you may encounter Shiny C-Dot. Uh, they are doing another $1 box. You'll be able to access Community Day exclusive special research. Uh, that will include uh, three incense. So probably that, that in itself is probably worth a dollar. Five golden raspberries. That's useless. Uh, <laughs> yep. Other rewards. Don't know what that is. Uh, you can take snapshots to get something. There will be another scam box, which is the uh, fast, the pay to win elite fast TM, 30 ultra balls, three incense, three lucky eggs. Uh, I still, I don't think we'll ever, no one can ever defend to me how the the elite TM is. (laughs) (laughs) It's elite. Ever. You can finally get that lucky Mewtwo, it's Shadow Ball or whatever. Yeah, well this is a fast one. This is the the fast move, not the uh, the charge move. move. Yeah, that was last time. This will be three times the catch HP. Incense will last for three hours, so you only have to use two. Buddy Pokemon with a buddy level will bring you items such as Pokeballs throughout the event. I am surprised. I've been streaming Pokemon Go on Twitch a lot more recently. I've been doing it every Tuesday night. Anytime there's one of these Carvana thing events. I am so shocked. Constantly, I get questions of like, how does your, how did your buddy bounce back a Pokeball? Really? It's such a good. It's such a good animation. It's a too. really I, good. Yeah, it's a really good. I was animation. surprised the first time it happened because I had no warning. But then I sort of, I pieced that puzzle together. People still not playing with their buddies. I guess I don't know. Even I did the math because I think you need thirty hearts in total to get to the the two heart thing. It's either yeah. thirty or forty. Um, but if you were to do the bare minimum, which is give your buddy three berries. And then while you're doing that, pet it, and then take a picture. Which no, is what I do. No walking, no battling, uh, no finding a new place. You do the minimum of three hearts a day, which you can do from your bed. Uh, you'll get there in like 10 to 12 days. Like, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not even the two weeks. The problem is that the buddy stuff is not catching Pokemon. And I play Pokemon Go to catch Pokemon, so... <laughs> but if you're catching Pokemon and you need Pokeballs during these events, they bring you Pokeballs. Oh, trust. I, they're bringing me plenty of Pokeballs that I don't they're bring, want. They're bringing me gifts now. This, yeah. this is my new great thing. Yeah, you get gifts once you get to, what, three? Yeah. yeah. Just at the start of three. I'm not overlying. I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in the middle of three with my uh, Gardevoir. The other thing here is uh, maybe I don't know if Niantic is maybe seeing that people want to watch content related to Go, uh, but they are saying, are you participating in community at home? Playing at home doesn't mean you have to play alone. Tune into our English language YouTube channel for our first ever 24 hour community day live stream. I don't know what this means. Join any time between Saturday, March, May 23rd. From 6 p.m. and Sunday, May 24th, 6 p.m. to watch CDOT and other Pokemon play in the wild. You can also jump in the conversation in the comments. Let's Don't. have fun and play together at home. Maybe it's like when we were looking at the forest. Yeah, I'm yeah. wondering. It's got to be just like the forest thing. 
Which is pretty cool. I mean, I'm interested yeah. in that. I'm sure it's like, what was the force though? It was like an hour loop, but like every hour they had like no. five seconds of something they, new. I mean, there was yes. I mean, they, it, didn't it was loop. 24 hours, but there was there were things going on here and there. Mm-hmm. But there was, for the most part, there was a loop. It's just they inserted right things in between. It wasn't like full. I don't know what a technological wizardry they employed. <laughs> it was magic. Uh, yeah, so C dot community, that's a thing. Get your free acorn. Full disclosure: I am partnered with uh, DNA, who makes Pokemon Masters. Minor Masters update here: Wally and Gallade are now in Masters. <sighs> I don't have it yet, and I'm very angry. I believe uh, Greg loves the Gen Three. I love the Wally a lot. Wally is one of my favorite characters. Retconned Wally in recent years. <laughs> Had a guard of war. They took it away from him. Gave him a Gallade. <laughs> <laughs> what there was it? He got a Gallade for Oris when they. Yeah, but like it. that's like his permanent thing now. They just yeah. that they retconned him though, because in in even in Emerald he had Gardevoir. Right, but that was a different universe. We're not in that universe anymore. Mm. That's we are the in old the new universe. universe. Yeah. Just, they also retconned you know Pokemon Gold and Silver, and the character's name was Gold. Soul Silver, they changed to Ethan. Now, anytime they refer to that character, it's always Ethan. Who is this gold you speak of? <laughs> who is who is this gold? Did you get your Ho oh and Silver? I did. I didn't I didn't do enough. I didn't do like once I got it, I was sort of tired of the random stuff, so I didn't power it up. But I didn't really care about powering it up. Because fire isn't that great. And the, it'll be around again. I'll just do all the powering up later. Like I just, I was out of, I was out of manuals. I don't really care about Ho Oh, but I, I did enough to get to get it. I don't know what was about this event that I loved. I made it to the tenth pool. You like opening boxes? I do. I do. And I don't. It I was don't find that form of gambling fun. So easy though to auto battle three times in the morning, three times at night, and boom, 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 all these boxes. Yeah, I mean, th- this the extra bonus point system is a nice addition. Um, it didn't. I mean, I did play. I would, but I would not remember to play Pokemon Masters till about one in the afternoon, and I was not going to stay up for the reset. But yeah, it was a good event. Um, the Blissey event is very meh. Yeah, um, I don't. It's just it's not just, interesting. Just knock out Blissey once a day. Yeah, it's not interesting. Um, I want Wally, and I haven't pulled it yet, but. Oh, it was fun. I just, I'm just not, I'm not into mobile games right now. So I just, I, I played it, but not a ton. But I enjoyed what I played. I just, the random box thing is just not my jam. Final bit of news here is uh, Gigantamax Pikachu is in raids until the, uh, well, if you're listening to this on Monday, they leave tonight. You didn't get one yet? Even I got a Gigantamax Pikachu. No, I got one. I have Greg is with, the one who groans. Oh. No, I was saying P because I like it when it lands. <laughs> when he entered the when they enter the ring. Pico. I have my hidden ability surfing Pikachu. So yes, they can be hidden ability. Uh, I might do some more tomorrow morning because I'm on vacation. So I might play. I might try to get a couple more tomorrow morning. I don't know. I haven't decided. Uh, they can be hidden ability. Uh, there, it was lasting for about a week. After that, uh, we will get Gigantamax Eevee for a week. 
Uh, and then after that, we will get Gigantamax Meowth for a week. And uh, then that'll bring us to June 1st, which I don't 100% know what is going to rotate in then. But uh, hey, people like Pikachus and Eevees and Meowths. I am excited to hear a Gigantamax Eevee scream, yeah, boy, at me. <laughs> that is yeah, what it says, boy. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The funniest thing was I... When I was doing my wishing pieces, I came across, uh, no, I, what was I battling? I was battling a Gigalith, and I brought a Vaporeon, and you know, the Vaporeon still has the original cry, it's uh-huh. like, yeah. but imagine that from like <laughs> the Dynamax <laughs> Vaporeon, <laughs> I really wish they would go in, in the next game, and just Update all the cries. Yep. They really just... They've already done it with Yeah Boy and Pikachu. Just hit it across the board. I bet Meowth would be next. I bet oh, if they're going to change any Pokemon's cry, it's going to be Meowth next. As long as it screams that's right, I'd be happy. I'm actually surprised they haven't done Charizard's cry either. Yeah, I just... Mm. It, it's The thing is, is that it's really... As we get new Pokemon and they make more complex cries, it's re- it's so obvious. I, ju- yeah, I just wish they would update them. I'm really disappointed with some of the new cries uh, that they they're like. There's like this fine line where they want to make new and better cries, but they also want to try to make them not sound mm-hmm. super far out from old stuff. But man, like when you like listen to Rookity's cry and then you listen to like Pidgey's cry, you're like, one of these sucks, <laughs> <laughs> and it's Pidgey. Uh, like and they got like cricket tunes was really good. Mm-hmm. Like they, it seemed like they were like they can just update them. Yeah. Okay. Question of the week. All right, it's a quick and short one for you this time. It's just another question of the week. Oh, okay. I told you it was quick. <sighs> Don't you wish it was another question of the week? Because <laughs> that's my fun week. Yeah. I, I can't believe she called out her boyfriend at the beginning of that song, but whatever. Oh, yeah. That's whatever. a different era. Yep. This is from Casey. What are you currently working towards? Not necessarily Pokemon related. Example, I'm working towards learning web programming. I'm writing another RPG, and I'm working on Steven Universe Rules for Glitter Hearts right now. How many RPGs are you... <laughs> Look, You're I become said, the king of RPGs. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to write another one, and then I started writing it. So don't ask me. I, I just started it. It may go nowhere. I may hate it, but I started writing it. What about you, Steve? What are your dreams and ambitions? What? Jeez. <laughs> I, I mean, like trying to get things ready for our ten-year <laughs> anniversary. Uh, oh, I'm already working on the song for the ten-year. Okay, good. Uh, I feel like it's sneaking up very fast. I mean, it's already June. Um, Irene and I were planning on traveling this year, but that obviously didn't work. But uh, hopefully more travel next year. Uh, Pokemon and non-Pokemon related travel. Very hard uh, because Twitch requires you to be live so often. So maybe incorporating uh, IRL travel, which I personally like to watch. Uh, and bring that to Twitch in some capacity would be something I would like to work for 
Only timing right now is uh, not good. It's a late night stream. Watch me watch Property Brothers. <laughs> IRL. Oh, the worst show ever. Mm-hmm. How about you, Will? What are you currently working towards besides becoming a bike master? Well, I mean, that's part of it. So uh, since the majority of my normal travel schedule for the year has been nuked into oblivion, mm-hmm. um, I am thinking through a way to do a bike packing tour. Um, Ooh, fun. So somewhere, yeah. That I mean, I specifically bought the bike that I bought because it is very versatile and can be set up for reasonable bike packing. So that'll be cool. You should um, bike up to Duluth to see the colors. Uh, I mean, maybe at some point. Um, and I do want, uh, I, I mean, I want to do a lot of outdoorsy stuff this year, right? I want to take a kayak from Lake Minnetonka to the Mississippi, which I've been told is possible. It is possible. And also potentially getting into mountain biking, which is a variant from the type of biking I've been doing already. Um, I just obviously, I I have an itch for fitness that's not getting scratched at the gym right now. So Because there's <laughs> no gym right now. I'm exploding out into all kinds of weird and bizarre areas. Well, you know what can help you with your bike questions? Um, Kickstarter. Uh, no, 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 no. That's not my jam. Um, but looking forward to Kickstarter into the future, I, you know, my favorite kind of tabletop game is a deck builder. Yes. So I've been working on a deck builder, but it's more oriented towards like children, young adults. It's more education. Oh. focused but i mean that doesn't mean you've, you couldn't have fun playing it you've changed will <laughs> <laughs> how dare you how dare you betray it's called me like this how to develop poison in your chemistry class <laughs> <laughs> look the i had a science kit i know how much trouble you can get into it that thing no it's not it's it's if somebody were to know me well enough they'd they'd know what i'm I'm aiming towards. Um, but yeah, it's going to take a lot of work. So yeah, just something I'm working on on the site besides, you know, my job that makes me money. Mm-hmm. Pokemon of the week. All right. So last week's Pokemon was a reference to a nineties movie about things happening in the Amazon that might be scary to you. A couple of jump scares. If you're, especially if you don't like snake animals, um, except then pretend that it happened in the desert. Okay, who's that Pokemon? <laughs> it's... Sandile. You were so close, so but completely wrong. Good effort. Because it's Sandaconda. Sandaconda, based on the fantastic... <laughs> no. 1997 <laughs> horror film Anaconda. Um... I didn't reference Nicki Minaj at all. Hmm. You, which probably for the best missed yeah, opportunity for the best. And also, listeners, if you now go look up the 
casts for each of the sequels and watch them go down in star quality <laughs> faster than a meteor shower at Animal Crossing. What's very interesting to me is that the last one was Lake Placid versus Anaconda, and I'm like, I, <laughs> crocodile versus snake. Look, that's an actual thing that's happened. You can look up the real version of that. It's quite a oh dear. It's quite a thing. I don't know if Santa. If, I don't know if Sandaconda has any trivia. Uh, besides, you know, it's based on an anaconda and stuff. Uh, its Pokedex entry says when it contracts its body, over two hundred twenty pounds of sand spray from its nose. If it ever runs out of sand, it becomes disheartened. Oh, oh. Then it needs Team Yell to encourage it. Gigantamax. All right. It now has more than. A million tons of sand. <laughs> Jeez. I don't think the Pokemon world has a good grasp of measurements. I mean, a million tons of sand? You got the Sahara? <laughs> In one Gigantamax Sandaconda? That's yeah, sure. Gigantamax. It's a combination of gigantic and maximum. Maximum. And Sandaconda is a combination of sand and anaconda. <laughs> a place where the anacondas don't roam is the sand. but. <laughs> Oh, well. Maybe there's an anaconda variant that... Whatever. This week's Pokemon. Are you ready? Because I may have written this very poorly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm never ready. Seven down. Uh, No, it's actually back more to our traditional style. Okay. Uh, This week's delightful Pokemon made its debut in the Pokemon cartoon in Japan on May 8th, 2003 and in the United States on February 28, 2004. While not the Pokemon featured in the title of the episode, it is notable that it and its close cousin evolve simultaneously as the episode goes on. The pre-evolution for this week's Pokemon is shared with another Pokemon. If you wish to have it evolve into this week's Pokemon... It must meet a particular personality value. In Hoenn, personality values are tied to nature, as well as gender, ability, shininess, and size. Spinda's spots and Unknown's letter are also coordinated with personality value, but neither of them is this week's Pokemon. The determinant for this week's Pokemon is the result of a modulo operation where you take the upper half of the Pokemon's personality value, modulo 10. If it is less than 4, you get one Pokemon. If it is greater than 4, you get this week's Pokemon. In a unique way, this means that when breeding for this week's Pokemon, you may use the final evolution for a completely different Pokemon to obtain our Pokemon for the week. Conversely, you may obtain this week's Pokemon unexpectedly when breeding for a different one. There is no action that you, as the player, can take to influence this. The personality value is determined when you receive the egg from the Pokemon Daycare. There you go. Real easy. And yes, modulo is a real math term. All right, that's our show. Uh, if you want to follow Greg, it is at, uh, they're at White Wing on Twitter. Will at Wash of the Sink. I am at Dragging a Lake. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at PKMNCast. Uh, I've been streaming daily on Twitch. Same thing, twitch.tv slash PKMNCast. 
Uh, I am going to try really hard to get quick. I'm going to try really hard to get slightly better at battles this week. To try to compete this weekend at a semi-serious level. Uh, I have built a team that I think is working for me. Um, and I've been using it throughout the week and uh, had some pretty successful battles this weekend. We are still running our promotion where if anyone signs up for Patreon in the month of May, they will be included. Uh, their name will be included on our big project coming uh, this July, which is our 10-year anniversary. I believe you have until May 27th to get in on that special offer. I don't know why. They, that's just what Patreon calls it. It's a special offer. <laughs> just, <laughs> you sign up for Patreon. That's, that's what it does. Just a shout out. We have been on Patreon for five years as of this month. So wow. to, to anyone who has been, if you have subscribed five years ago in May, you have been, you uh, thank you for five years of support. And if you just signed up last week, thank you for your support as well. Wouldn't be able to do this uh, content creation thing full time without Patreon and without Twitch and whatnot. So I think that's it. Uh, I think that's our show. At Pokemon Podcast on Twitter, I think I said that. Uh, we will be back next week. Hope you enjoyed the interview this week. And this has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast. And we are... Super Effective. Super Cybertron. Where the Transformers come from? Yeah. Oh, cool. Also, yeah. This podcast is supported by our Patreon backers, and some of those people paid money to get their name read at the end of this show. A huge thank you to Alex, Courtney, Jetsy, Casey, Catherine, Kay, Kevin, Liam, Matthew, Noah, Patrick, Riton, and Sejanus. And a shout out to our executive producer of Anthony. Thank you guys so much for your support. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the podcast as well, you can go over to patreon.com slash it's super effective, or you can head over to the easier to remember domain, ise.cash. Super easy to remember because money exchanges hands and ISC is short for the podcast uh also shout out to nick who does all the music for the show and yeah thank you for listening thank you for making it to the end this was new hey it was different we'll see you guys next week thank you so much for supporting the show and listening really really truly appreciate it we'll see you next week bye